The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lynn. Hi, this is Nancy Lynn of the Business Reinvention Show, where we share thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Today, we're going to talk about water strategy and how to put one in place to ensure your business growth. Water is one of those things that we cannot live without and yet often take for granted. Around the world, water stress is rising, um, either due to drought or flooding, and this results in increasing costs for um, businesses as well as uncertainty. Um, take Intel as an example. Uh, a J.P. Morgan report from a few years ago suggested a water-related shutdown of its um, semiconductor plant could cost the company as much as $200 million a quarter. A lot of money is at stake here. So water crisis is an issue that affects all of us and not just a wide range of industries. Roughly 70% of water use globally is for agriculture, and it takes more than 1,800 gallons of water to make just one pound of beef and 700 gallons of water to make a T-shirt. In essence, the impact of water shortage can affect just about every aspect of our lives. So what are companies doing about worsening water crisis? What does a good water stewardship program look like? And who is benefiting from the crisis, if any? Well, we're going to talk about all of the above on today's show. And joining me for a conversation about this is Will Sarney, Director and Practice Leader of Enterprise Water Strategy at Deloitte Consulting. Hi, Will. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nancy. How are you? So glad you could join us today. My pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Um, You know, someone once said that um, the next world war is going to be uh, about water and not oil. What do you think about that prediction? (laughs) <laughs> you know, actually, um, I, I think certainly there's a lot of tension associated with uh, ensuring adequate supplies of water and, and quality, uh, but I also believe that water is an opportunity for uh, a wide range of stakeholders, uh, both public and private sector and NGOs, to come together, and uh, there are examples of where that works. So uh, just to flip this on its side... I think water is uh, the thing that connects all of humanity, so uh, that provides an opportunity for us to uh, cooperate. Mm, I love that. I love that. So well said. Um, So how worried should companies be about water issue? I mean, I mentioned the example of Intel, um, but what kind of bottom line impact have you seen out there um, with businesses? Sure. So, um, you know, water risk varies by industry sector and it also varies by company. So really the starting point here is, you know, if you are a company or if you're in the public sector, so state, federal government, you know, a country, understanding the value of water to your business or to economic growth uh, is important. So, you know, what is the risk to my business or my public sector entity? Uh, quantifying that risk and then developing a strategy to mitigate that risk and ensure that you can operate uh, without disruption and uh, continue to grow, again, as a private sector enterprise or a public sector entity. Okay. So um, you touched on something about how it's different for a different sector. Um, So I would say that it's easier to understand how water shortage could impact manufacturing industry but should service industry be just as worried? 
Well, you know, there's uh, there are certain sectors that are more water intensive than others, uh, and as you point out, uh, certainly consumer product companies and beverage companies uh, have a greater water intensity. That means that they they use water, both consumptive and non-consumptive water, more than uh, other sectors. Uh, you know, service industries, uh, you know, like professional services firms. Uh, you know, we don't use a lot of water. Uh, but having said that, water is important to our employees, to the communities in which we operate in, uh, and as a result, it is important to pay attention to uh, how we all collectively use water. So, you know, again, certain sectors and companies uh, use more water than others, but it's, again, that, that uh, shared resource that we all care about. I agree. Um, but why, why do you think that there has to be more concern about carbon emissions or energy consumption uh, than, say, water-related issues? Well, two things. One is that I, I believe that water has always been an issue. Uh, you know, roughly the numbers are almost a billion people don't have access to safe water globally and almost 2.5 billion people don't have access to sanitation and hygiene. So uh, that's not something that just suddenly appeared. That's always been, you know, the case as, you know, population grew that those numbers uh, unfortunately stayed high. Uh, I think it's always been an issue uh, uh, globally, uh, but as we all started to pay attention to resource issues and sustainability issues, uh, climate change, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, energy uh, really dominated the conversation. But, you know, the, the water issue, both in terms of quantity and quality, was always there. And I really think what's happening now is that we are bumping into uh, the reality of uh, the disconnect between supply and demand. And uh, when there's not enough supply to meet increasing demand, that's when you start to see things like economic impact and uh, business disruption. Well, we're certainly experiencing drought here in uh, California, but but I have to say that there is certain uh, wishful thinking that this is just a short-term issue. But I think um, in one of your articles, you mentioned something about the difference between supply and demand um, to be about 40% in maybe 20 years or something like that. Right. So uh, there was a report that came out a number of years ago that looked at supply versus demand trends. And the prediction was that on the average globally, there would be a 40% gap between supply and demand, assuming business as usual conditions. And uh, the key point, so that's on the average. Uh, It varies quite a bit depending on where you're located globally. Uh, Water is a local issue fundamentally. Uh, But going back, it's, you know, that's business as usual. And we, uh, tend to innovate uh, well on the technology side and the partnership side. Uh, so uh, I believe that we will get off this scarcity trajectory that we're on uh, for that 40% gap uh, through innovation. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> we better. <laughs> um, so how do you quantify the value of water to the business? Because I think maybe that's the missing um, piece to the puzzle. Um, and it's really critical for getting buy-in within companies, you know, to, to have the sense of urgency to create a water strategy. Right. Good point. So, um, you know, we tend to focus on the price of water, uh, and price of water is uh, still fairly low. Uh, but what we really need to think about is what is the value of water to your business? What is the value of water to your state economy or region or country? And uh, the way you value water is looking at various risk dimensions associated with water. So there's a a physical risk, uh, which means, you know, do you have enough water uh, when you need it, where you need it, of the right quality? Uh, Regulatory risk is what are the regulations in place right now? What might they be going forward? And then reputational risk. So that is how do stakeholders view how you're managing Uh, water is a resource that they care about, then you can start to look at what's the real value of water 
to my uh, public or private sector uh, enterprise and uh, how do I manage uh, that issue. Price is certainly part of that, but it's not the primary driver. It's really thinking about what would happen if I didn't have water, how might it impact my business over what period of time. So really kind of uh, looking at it from a risk evaluation perspective um, in terms of business impact, um, but also I I think there's a credibility impact as well, like how the stakeholders will see our use of water as is responsible or are we being a a good citizen in terms of helping to um, reduce um, water issue and things like that. Um, Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, there's a flip side to it also in that if uh, you are viewed as a uh, steward of water, then that would give you brand value uh, as opposed to if you're perceived as not being a good steward, then that would hit uh, your reputation a bit. Uh, mm. So this yeah. whole notion of water stewardship is really important, uh, and in the world that I live in, uh, you know, water stewardship is now gaining more and more traction uh, in, in both the public and the private sector. Mm. So it sounds like there are um, potential issues as well as opportunities um, is what you're implying, which we're going to try to get to um, in just a little while. And um, I really would like to get some advice from you in terms of how to establish a, a water strategy. Um, and that's a really big question. So I think uh, we're going to take a quick break and so that we'll have more time when we come back to talk about that. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin, and you can also download our podcast from Voice America, iTunes, or Stitcher. Please stay tuned, and we'll be back after these messages. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Social media is growing at an astounding rate. In just virtually five short years, we have seen YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter take the world by storm. How do you effectively make social media work for you? Tune in to The Social Universe with host Kurt Wilhelm. We'll show you how to market your business or yourself to get ahead, especially in unstable economic times. We'll also discuss practices that you can apply to increase visibility and revenue as you unlock the mysteries of the social universe. The Social Universe is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you know how to tell a great story? In business, the stories you tell play a big role in your success. Whether you're trying to get more clients or influence people as a leader, storytelling will help you do it. Story Powered with Leanne Pico is here to help you activate your storytelling superpower to build a better business and achieve your goals and dreams. Story Powered can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to business reinvention. Okay, so I think the the big question that every company wants to know, we hope they want to know, is that if they decided at some point that, that it's important to establish a water strategy or even water stewardship program, um, so and they try to do that for the first time, how should they go about doing that? Where do they start? Right. Uh, well, the, the starting point really is understanding uh, how much water you're using and where you're using it. Mm. 
as being the key factor. And then looking at some of the uh, publicly available maps that highlight uh, where water is currently scarce and where it's projected to be scarce. Uh, then also looking at water quality issues, again, from publicly available information. And then you can start to get a feel for, well, uh, most of my operations or my supply chain or my consumers are located in water-scarce, water-stressed areas. I need to look at those areas in, in greater detail. And one of the things that you would look at is, uh, from a business perspective, uh, you know, how much, uh, how much revenue am I generating in these areas? Is there a risk for business disruption? Uh, how might that impact my business going forward? Uh, and again, it's across the entire value chain. So if you're a food and beverage company, you're going to be interested in what is my agricultural supply chain? Uh, what does it consist of? You know, certainly, but you know, where is it located? Uh, what are the projections in those areas? Uh, and if I'm a consumer product company and I make soap and shampoo, then, for example, I would want to be very aware of uh, am I trying to sell those products in areas where uh, water is scarce? Uh, so really understanding that landscape of where you operate and where's your supply chain and, and uh, consumers with respect to water risk and then quantifying that value at risk currently and projected. And then you can start to make investments in uh, certainly technologies to uh, use water more efficiently or reuse water, uh, but also make investments in uh, partnerships, so collective action programs or aligned action where you're working with a uh, large group of stakeholders within a particular watershed to address some of the challenges associated with water. So you're essentially creating this uh, ecosystem of uh, stakeholders to address water quantity and water quality issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how you start your water stewardship strategy. And then, you know, certainly there are other dimensions uh, around how do I uh, report, disclose, communicate so people understand uh, how I'm managing this issue, again, that they care about so much. Mm, wow, that sounds like a really great strategic planning exercise. Um, and um, I think by mapping out your supply chain, you can really see where uh, points of vulnerability uh, are. Um, and, and I think another thing that sometimes U.S. companies um, don't think about is that uh, many of us are really interested in opportunities in emerging markets and unlike um, here, the availability or accessibility of water um, is usually not as, as good as what we get here. So even though we may not see a, as much of sense of urgency when it comes to water crisis, um, when we start looking at our other international markets, I think that that priority might be moving up uh, when we start to kind of think about that. Um, yeah. And one of the things you mentioned was also to look at the quality aspect of it. What, what did you mean by that? Sure. So uh, let me answer that question. I want to come back to a comment you made about uh, how we view water in the U.S. and access to water. So uh, water quality, uh, that is as big an issue as uh, quantity of water. Uh, I, I read recently that roughly about 80% of all the water that is discharged globally is untreated. So we take for granted, essentially, that we, uh, we take water uh, that is used and we treat it and then we discharge it into lakes and streams and oceans. But if you look at what's going on globally, roughly about 80% of it is not treated. Uh, and that creates water quality uh, issues uh, for both uh, ecosystems and, and humans uh, alike. So, so kind of so like environmental a, impact? Is that kind of what you're yes, referring to? Yeah, it, it, exactly, it, exactly. Uh, and if water is untreated uh, and you want to put it back into productive use, you then have to uh, treat it. And there's a cost associated with that, uh, certainly. Uh, but you, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. essentially that uh, we, we pretty much just take it for granted that, you know, everyone has access to safe water. I also read recently that about 1.7 million people in the U.S. do not have access to safe water. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it really just points out that, you know, we, we're, we're really accustomed to turning on the tap and having 
very high-quality water, uh, essentially on demand at a, at a very low cost. Right, and I, that also explains the uh, lower sense of urgency than what it really needs to be. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's kind of, um, I guess, double-edged uh, sword in some sense. Um, we want to make it accessible, but then right. how do you get to the point where people don't take it for granted? When you don't have it, you learn to appreciate it pretty quickly. I think that's you know, <laughs> the, big, the big lesson we're learning here. You know, I think uh, you know people can survive roughly what three days without water, so it doesn't take much uh, to uh, sharpen the mind. And uh, you know, you, what you need to do is also look at uh, you know how long will it take uh, your business to uh, shut down without water. Uh, you know, essentially a similar view. Mm. Yeah, a very critical question. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned in the last, um, when we talked about the last question, was the importance of creating partnership and ecosystem. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, based on the experience that you have so far, what are some examples of partners um, involved um, in, in getting the strategy set up, um, and, and what typically, uh, who, who typically leads this kind of efforts? Is it operations, social, uh, social responsibilities, or uh, who usually ends up to be the leader of this type of effort? Okay. And with regards to uh, ecosystems that are, well, the, the water ecosystem, uh, it includes the public, the private sector, academic institutions, uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, you know, concerned citizens, civil society, essentially, that uh, they come together uh, in a, a platform that uh, provides the opportunity to address, again, water quantity and, and water quality issues. And that ecosystem uh, to address access to safe water sanitation and hygiene uh, comes in, in different ways. Uh, there's uh, an organization called the CEO Water Mandate uh, that uh, is a, a platform for stakeholders to come together uh, mostly private sector companies, but there are a number of initiatives that they drive, uh, and other organizations globally that essentially provide that opportunity for the, par- the private sector to uh, collaborate with NGOs and the public sector on addressing these issues. Uh, so this notion of an ecosystem to address uh, complex or, or wicked problems is emerging as a viable way to uh, solve some of the more complicated issues that we face uh, around water. Mm-hmm. Um, what about suppliers? Um, how are companies working together with their suppliers? Oh, I think you're seeing uh, more and more of that. Uh, not thank you, are absolutely seeing more and more of that as uh, companies recognize that uh, water use in their supply chain and water use in uh, downstream product use is, uh, it can be, as important, if not more important, and that is creating opportunities for companies to work with their, uh, in some cases, extensive global supply chain uh, to become more efficient in how they use water, uh, to drive technology innovation, to, again, partner uh, within particular watersheds, uh, things like that. So it is uh, the, the good part of the story here is that uh, resource scarcity, water scarcity drives innovation, and it drives technology innovation, and it drives innovation and partnership. And that partnership side, I think, is very, very exciting because uh, it has the ability to mobilize a broad group of stakeholders to tackle particular water-related issues. Mm. Well, can you give a couple of re- examples of how companies work with their suppliers? Do they give a target as how... Um, the supplier should be using their water, or how does that work? It, it works a number of different ways. Uh, you know, what we're seeing is that, uh, for example, a food and beverage company would uh, engage with their agricultural supply chain and uh, provide uh, training on best practices to move towards sustainable agricultural practices. Uh, in some cases, would... Uh, uh, support funding of uh, water-efficient technologies, such as irrigation technologies, uh, provide uh, data, information, analytics. Um, that's really what's happening. It's this, you know, reaching, companies are reaching into their supply chain 
and really working collaboratively with them uh, to ensure that they have uh, adequate water uh, for the production of, you know, agricultural products. So in a lot of ways, it's moving from uh, supply chain efficiency to ensuring that there is a supply chain uh, and addressing water within that context. Mm. What, what about within um, the company itself? Uh, what are some of the tactics um, companies are using for water preservation? Right. Uh, you know, in some cases, there's an opportunity to move away from using water at all. Wow. Uh, mm. There is an opportunity to move towards, uh, like, flood irrigation for crops to drip irrigation. Uh, and that's driven by data acquisition and analytics, so really understanding how much the crop needs, when, you know, when's the most appropriate timing, and then delivering water uh, very efficiently. That's, you know, they refer to that as getting more crop per drop uh, or precision agriculture. Uh, so that's a big movement. I think earlier on you cited that 70% of global water use was in the agricultural sector. Right. Uh, in certain countries that's higher, in certain countries it's lower, but nevertheless... Uh, you know, there are uh, opportunities in the agricultural sector along with other sectors to really do more with less uh, so we continue to, you know, produce energy and produce uh, agricultural products and have enough water for an increasing population. Mm. How are companies uh, doing in terms of uh, wastewater reclamation? How common is that? Uh, it's very common. Uh, and what you're seeing is that companies are, uh, you know, obviously complying with uh, water quality regulations, but also looking at uh, deploying technologies so they can reuse water uh, several times over before it's treated and discharged. And, uh, you know, this is one of the advantages of water in that you can reuse it, you know, as many times as, as you know, technically feasible, uh, provided you're, you're treating it along the way. Uh, before you discharge it. Mm. And I also see an example where a company addresses uh, the issue by investing in water funds, um, sort of a financing uh, mechanism that pulls or or invests capital from uh, downstream water users to finance um, uh, conservation initiatives upstream. Um, What do you think about this? And is it also a common approach as well, or is that considered very innovative? Well, I I would put it in the innovative category, and it goes back to something I said earlier that, you know, resource scarcity, water scarcity drives uh, innovation in both partnerships and technology. And, you know, water funds are sort of this elegant example of uh, a group of stakeholders coming together within a watershed uh, and uh, recognizing that uh, water stewardship uh, has benefits both the upstream uh, water users and both the downstream water users, and uh, it's basically, you know, paying the upstream uh, water users uh, for technology uh, uh, investments and and so on. Very interesting. Well, let's take another break, um, and we'll t- talk some more after that. You're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. We'd love to get your feedback about our show. So please send your comments to radio at bizwemention.com. And for up-to-date business innovation trends, go to bizwemention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizwemention. We'll be back after these messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth, and in general, 
People don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, well, we have talked about kind of different components of uh, water stewardship programs. Um, so, what are some of the best water stewardship programs that you've seen so far? Um, can you share some examples with us? Well, there are a number of uh, what I would consider to be best practices that uh, you know, companies are uh, employing. Uh, I think, as I, I not think, but I, I touched on this a little bit earlier around valuing water. And you see companies that are leading on water stewardship programs, valuing water. In some cases, they set up a shadow price for water, Hmm. uh, which uh, basically looks at what's the local price coupled with what's the water risk in this region. And they assign a dollar amount to that, uh, and they use that as a basis for uh, mitigating risk by driving investment. So that valuation piece is is really critical in all this, so it's, it's that thinking of water beyond the price and, and what's the real business value. That's a big part of it. Uh, and then also the, that collective action uh, or aligned action, how do they come together with a range of stakeholders to solve uh, complex issues associated with water? And uh, again, they, they, they participate in programs, but more often than not, they, uh, they actually would create or drive a program that's in place, essentially, and, and you know, identify who are the key stakeholders, uh, activate that uh, ecosystem, and drive towards uh, a set of aligned goals. Uh, so there, that's the best practice. Uh, certainly technology innovation. You know, some companies are promoting uh, prize competitions to develop innovative technologies. I think that is... Uh, an interesting development. Uh, you talked about water funds. Uh, that's a leading practice. Uh, you know, we're seeing more and more of that as multinationals work with uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, in particular watersheds. Uh, so those those are, you know, essentially the, the key dimensions of uh, what leadership looks like. And then, you know, really probably most important is you know, how do companies build a water strategy, and how do they align that with their business growth strategy? And that's essential. If you need water for your business and you are planning on growing in areas where water is scarce, then how do you ensure that you can fuel your growth by having adequate water, uh, again, when you need it and, and where you need it of the right quality? So it's that alignment with uh, not just risk but uh, business growth that's uh, essential and a, and a best practice, and you see, uh, you know, a handful of companies really focusing on that. Mm. So, going back to the point that you mentioned about um, price competition, what do you mean by that? What do they do? Do they have different uh, areas of the business competing on price? What, what do you mean by that? So what they'll do is uh, they would support uh, water technology hubs or accelerators. So essentially, uh, uh, not-for-profit uh, entities that are designed to identify innovative water technologies and uh, help those startup companies uh, become commercial in terms of scale. 
And what you're seeing is that there are multinationals or, or large companies that uh, will make investments in those water technology hubs or accelerators to identify those innovative technologies and get them to the stage where they can grow and they can be part of the solution. Uh, and price competitions are interesting. You know, they you can really spark quite a bit of uh, interest and participation at the global level uh, by providing that, that prize platform. Oh, got it. Price comp- Okay, got it. So it's um, really kind of like a hackathon, and whoever has the best idea, uh, they right. get a prize for that. That's, that's really awesome. So right. they're really, um, like you're saying, encouraging innovation. Um, right. And, yeah. So what are some of the common challenges that companies run into when they try to implement their water strategy? Oh, some of the challenges? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the most basic is really understanding how much water they use. Uh, you know, historically, I and mean, you brought this up, uh, there's been a focus on energy and, and greenhouse gas emissions, and now uh, everyone, well, not quite everyone, but, you know, there's an increased interest in, uh, you know, how much water are people using and where are they using it and what are the projections? So the most basic question is, where, you know, where am I using water and, and how much and is there a risk associated with it? So that that's a, actually a fairly large challenge in the scheme of things. And then, you know, there's the whole data uh, piece. How am I managing the data? Uh, how do I turn it into uh, information that I can act upon? Uh, again, very, very basic issues uh, still represent a bit of a challenge in, you know, an organization that's global. Uh, but then, you know, you get into more challenging issues of how do you uh, essentially take water risk and then embed that into your enterprise risk programs? How do you embed that into uh, your growth strategy? Uh, is it a factor in mergers and acquisitions? Things like that. And mm-hmm. you know, it, that's, that, that comes after uh, some of the more basic questions that you have to ask. Mm. So you touch on the point of, I guess, um, uh, de- you know, developing a very... Um, uh, clear goals, uh, and so that has to do with metrics, right? What are some of the common metrics that companies use to to understand whether or not uh, they have a good water strategy? It, what we're saying is that, um, you know, certainly companies set uh, water use reduction goals. Uh, so trying to, you know, that what they'll do is they'll, uh, they'll look at the water intensity to make a, a standard product. So if they're a, you know, beverage company, uh, they might tie it to uh, a metric like revenue or they might tie it to a standard case of a product uh, and drive towards using less water per standard case or less water per dollar of revenue, uh, things like that. And then you can also get into things like, you know, how much reuse, uh, you know, how much water you are treating to a certain standard, uh, you know, things like that. Um, that's really where most companies started setting that goal internally within your operational footprint. Uh, and then companies move towards, well, how do I drive increased water efficiency uh, in my supply chain? And what are the uh, key performance indicators or KPIs around that? Well, okay, thanks for that. That's really helpful. Um, so you have touched on, um, you know, the fact that there are more and more innovation around this area. So let's talk about the innovative ideas out there. Um, I've read about some interesting products that help companies save water, um, such as Daiku textile systems that have made a big, big uh, splash, I would say, in the textile um, industry. Um, for a while, the company couldn't even keep up with demand um, for their water-free machines for dyeing textile. And then I think there are also waterless urinals. Uh, I have not seen them uh, myself, but um, I read about them. Um, and then there's also self-cleaning cotton that is under development. Um, supposedly with that, you don't have to do laundry anymore. How great is that? Um, and then there's also an oil industry, um, which I just did a, um, a program on. Um, I think they're developing a way to drill and fracture shell um, without um, using water. And instead, they, they will use gas instead for fracturing um, uh, the shell oil. Um, so I'm curious, um, you know, based on your research, what are some of the greatest ideas that would have potentially have the greatest um, impact going forward or some of the trends that you're seeing? Well, I think you touched on 
the, the general trends, which is, uh, you know, how do you, uh, how do you operate with less water? So it is, uh, you know, bathroom fixtures, certainly, uh, you know, they, they are, they can be very, uh, water efficient. Uh, and there's great progress that has been made in, in that area. Uh, you know, washing machines, uh, you know, low energy, low water use, uh, washing machines. Uh, that's certainly part of it. Uh, we also need to think about uh, energy production. Uh, you know, uh, uh, energy or thermoelectric power generation uh, uses water for cooling purposes. So, you know, are there opportunities to use wind and solar that use uh, little to no uh, water? There are, there are opportunities there. Uh, and then just, you know, in, in general, anything that... Uh, drives efficiency in water, you know, in the agricultural sector, it's that, you know, drip irrigation uh, technologies, and then anything that gives you the ability to treat water uh, with a low energy footprint, essentially. Uh, can you desalinate water uh, without using a lot of energy? Uh, you know, that's uh, a technology innovation uh, that is actually progressing quite well. And I think uh, one of the examples that you also shared uh, when we uh, talked about this um, earlier was, uh, um, I guess, shampoo without water. Um, And I thought that's an interesting example just to illustrate how, um, you know, innovation opportunities are abundant um, around water crisis. Um, So even little things um, down to shampoo could also present um, a really great example as well. Um, So definitely agriculture is a big area, which you have pointed out. um, And since it uses uh, most water, um, I think compared to other sectors, is there a sector where you feel like innovation is very much needed, but not much uh, progress has made and and could present probably uh, the next big area for innovation in terms of water conservation? I, I think, you know, really what we're seeing is innovation in every industry sector right now. Wow. Uh, driven by water scarcity. Uh, so it's, it's not just the agricultural sector that uh, is uh, moving towards, it. not just, again, innovation in technology, but innovation in partnerships. Uh, certainly the energy sector, uh, oil and gas sector, uh, manufacturing, you know, all those sectors are, are really paying more attention to water as a an important resource uh, for them as a company, but also for their employees and the communities in which they operate in. And that's a big driver. Uh, So I don't know that anyone's really lagging. I think, you know, you're seeing uh, industry sectors uh, really pay more and more attention to water use and and innovation, uh, depending on where they're located, uh, really more than anything else. Um, so how do we go about establishing water footprint? Um, are companies doing that already? Um, if not, why not? Right. So companies will either uh, do it on their own uh, or they'll you know, hire consultants to do that or they'll work with uh, NGOs out there. Um, and so it varies quite a bit uh, depending on you know, the company and the complexity of the issues. You know, if it's a small company that has a few locations, then you know, in many ways straightforward. Uh, if it's a, you know, a global company with an extensive supply chain and, uh, and uh, consumer base, then it, it gets more complex. And then you get into the issue of uh, acquiring the data and managing the data and turning it into uh, information that you can use to manage that risk going forward. So a lot of um, time we talk about managing data. Um, so is that kind of data analytic products um, readily available when companies started to develop, um, say, water stewardship programs or water management program? Is that something already out there or is that something that you feel that might be an opportunity for people to be more creative uh, about um, providing something specific for water management? Well, I think water management is, uh, well, it, water data acquisition, uh, the management of the data, the analytics, and the visualization tools is a real opportunity. And, uh, you know, where we're going with all this is real-time, low-cost data acquisition. Uh, so we can start to make decisions quickly, uh, but we can also then roll up that information and start to come up with strategic decisions around 
how does water availability impact uh, economic growth or, or business growth, uh, depending on where you're located? Uh, it, you know, it, it goes back to one of your earlier comments about, you know, data. It's we, we really we need data, and we need to turn that into uh, information that we can uh, make decisions on. And, uh, you know, it's certainly out there. Uh, in some places, there's no shortage of data, but it's, you know, what does it mean? It's the big so what associated with uh, with water data, and then how does that water data tie into, uh, you know, energy uh, needs uh, and agricultural production and uh, the need for ecosystems? Uh, so it's uh, it's complex. Mm. So it sounds like a challenge, but also an opportunity um, for innovators as well. So let's take another break. You're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business and uh, innovation trends, go to bizwemention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizwemention. We'll be back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you're listening to business reinvention with nancy lynn now back to business reinvention so well um i know when it comes to um Carbon emission company has pretty overall companies um, in general have been pretty good about disclosing information uh, and sharing um, in terms of progress they're making. Um, what about uh, water uh, related risk? Um, are companies transparent enough about disclosing uh, data related to that or even opportunities or goals um, and progresses associated with this area. Um, where do you think we are on this? Sure. So there's actually quite a bit of reporting and disclosure and communication around water uh, that's increasing, uh, you know, as we go forward and, and more and more stakeholders care about how uh, the public and the private sector is, is using water. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're on a journey, essentially, in terms of uh, communicating how we're all doing with respect to water. Uh, you know, things like greenhouse gas emissions and energy use, they're further along because we've been paying attention to that for a longer period of time. But I think there's great progress that's been made over the past several years and, you know, expect to see that continue going forward as more and more people care about water as a finite resource that we all share and uh, we value and we have values associated with them. 
So what role um, do you think innovation will play um, in the water management area going forward? Well, it's, it's absolutely essential. Uh, you know, early on, I, I quoted that statistic that, or that report that uh, projected that there would be a 40% shortfall between uh, supply and demand by 2030. Assuming business as usual, and the way you get off that business as usual scarcity trajectory is by driving innovation uh, at the nexus of energy, water, and food through partnerships uh, in that ecosystem uh, of uh, stakeholders coupled with technology innovation. And, and that's really what is happening right now. You're, you're seeing more and more uh, stakeholders pay attention to collaboration, uh, to address water-related issues, and you're seeing more and more technologies that are showing up that are you know, really quite creative in, in uh, addressing those issues also. Well, last to look forward to. And well, I want to thank you for being here with us today and sharing um, so much insights with us today. Thank you. Nancy, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, and for those in the audience, I hope you have enjoyed the show today. Please join me again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time or download our podcast so you can listen to the show on the go. Feel free to tweet me your comments at Business Reinvention. Let's keep innovation alive and working for everyone. Hope to talk to you again next week. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to BizReinvention.com for more business insights. That's B-I-Z-Reinvention.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.